Welcome to the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast, where we break down Bendis' iconic run on Ultimate Spider-Man, issues 1 through 160 in Earth 1610. I'm Zach, and with me as always, it's the artist formerly known as John. Yep, what am I known by now? Just uh, this weird <laughs> symbol that no one knows how to pronounce. Uh, wow, I can't wait to hear those every week. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're a lot less enthusiastic about it than you were the first the, one. The first one was was definitely the best. Still, I'll have to step it up next time. Um, How you doing? What's, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Anything I'm, fun this weekend or this week happen? Um. Well, yeah, yeah. I guess uh, I didn't tell you about Shiloh's birthday, did I? No, I thought Happy this was teeing up. Shiloh. I thought this was teeing up football season, but. Then I realized you were asking about things that have already happened. I figure we both obviously want to share our thoughts on the game tonight because the first NFL game of the season is here. So I figured we'd just save it for the end. Okay. Yeah, let's let's do that. I also drafted two fantasy football teams since the last time we spoke, and I'm pretty proud of those. So, so we'll really be living up to our reputation here as the number one sports podcast comic books or something yeah yeah <laughs> the number one comic book sports podcast okay what happened with shyla um so i told you i was gonna take her to a uh beach in milwaukee that we like and then oh yeah yep have i told you yep. that she you thinks told her birthdays me that. are did cursed? you tell the listeners that was this yeah. talked about on the podcast? yeah it made yeah, it because you had to talk quietly i did yep. um okay so she we we always say that she thinks her birthdays are cursed because bad stuff always happens on them. Um, there've just been years where it's like, Oh, I planned some awesome extravagant trip or something. And then like something goes wrong. Like, Oh, we're going to go hike this beautiful national park in the middle of nowhere. And then we get there and it's like terrible weather and the hotel sucks and stuff like that, you know? So this year, I tried to just keep it simple and do the beach and like a dinner in Milwaukee. And of course the first day, everything that could go wrong kind of did. We had car troubles and we got there late. And then we basically didn't have time to get in the water before we had to go to our dinner reservations and the dinner kind of sucked. Oh um, my gosh. But we turned it around. We decided to just get a hotel and make it not a, a day trip, but like a two day trip. And we went back to the beach and we found like some cool coffee places that we liked. And we just kind of walked around and the second day made it all worth it. And we also just had fun. Like, yeah, that's way more fun anyways. Yeah. You get to, you don't have to be rushing and driving, you know, both ways in one day. And yeah, you know, you get more time to hang out. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. So it worked out. Well, how about, how was your Labor Day weekend? Dude, it was good. Definitely, definitely nothing as exciting as that. You know, I think I won't surprise anyone when I say I went golfing on a couple times on Friday and on Monday. So those are good, good ways to spend uh, the day off of work. Yeah. Oh, should we rail on the politics again? Did we get all of that out on our Labor Day issue last week? <laughs> um, Just like labor politics? Yeah. What you got something else? No, I don't. I just like thought about. I just thought about <laughs> Labor Day again. 
Yeah, no, I no, think I don't we have anything else. No, I think we got through it. I think we laid all our socialist agenda cards on the table. Yeah. Okay, good. Good. All right. <laughs> we want to get into the issues? Definitely. All right. First, let's hear from the Better Business Bureau. Every business says they're better. But the ones that earn and display the BBB seal back it up. It instantly identifies businesses that are committed to operating with integrity, honoring promises, and telling the truth. Makes you wonder why every business doesn't have it. So look for it, because it's looking out for you. That's why it's the sign of a better business. And find a better business anytime at BBB.org. Okay, we're back. John, you've got the first issue this week. Yes, I do. Switching up what we normally do. You texted me and said, hey, I'm going to take this issue because I've already made my notes on it. And it's so funny because the night before I read that issue and I was like, I don't really feel like taking notes on this one. And then as I was reading it, I was like, John's going to like it anyways. I'll tell him tomorrow. This is his issue. Well, there you go. Oh, my gosh. I feel like uh, we're on the same page a lot. Or at least yeah. our laziness coincides with each other. <laughs> yeah. Because I took notes on it. And then, you know, I I know like you, Zach, my calendar is just a rainbow, which is what my buddy Steve says to signify that he's really busy. You know, he'll always say that. Have you ever heard that expression? I've before? never my heard that, but I, a rainbow. I like it. <laughs> like I'm imagining you've got all the multicolored uh, highlighters and stuff. That's exactly what it is on on Google Calendar. Like when you put in different things, they're all different colors. So that's where you got it. So, so my calendar's a rainbow, and I just didn't feel like taking notes on the second one, so I didn't. <laughs> that's so funny. Normally, I take notes on the first one, and then I'm like, okay, I can kind of slack on the second one if I if need be. Not that I choose to or whatever, but um. <laughs> This week, it was just like, I was beat. I felt, I was kind of feeling sick one one night. And I was like, I just want to sit and read comics. But I don't want to take notes on those comics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the purpose of this pod, Zach, I would say, is so our listeners can always feel like that. You know, we're taking the notes so you guys don't have to. You can just look at Kong's stupid face without dissecting all the information in the panel. Sometimes I like to uh, advertise us on r slash Spider-Man, the subreddit. Whenever people are talking about like, I want to get into the comics, what run is a good place to start? And I'll be like, hey, this is a good run to start with. But also, if you want to hear a podcast about it, I do that. And someone, I got my first like mean response the other day that was pretty funny he was like who the hell wants to listen to people talk about comics like i'll just read it thanks thank you very much <laughs> yeah. i'm That's like yeah such a... <laughs> you can do both though or you can just you know be friendly i don't know dude that's that's like the epitome of you know sometimes i'll post stuff on next door and you'll just get these comments that are just like it's like these people have no filter. They don't know how to just like go about their day without like verbalizing everything that they have to. And and yeah, it's the same thing. They'll just like decide to post something negative for no reason other than it's like it's just time to be negative. 
<laughs> and I know the premise of our show isn't stupid because a there's a lot of really successful podcasts that are just retelling comics. B I listen to a lot of them and like I like firsthand, you know, I just I know if you're the type of person who's interested in that, there's a market for it, you know? Yeah. And then see our wonderful listeners have told us. That's what I was just about to say. Um, You know, I actually did a very, very small plug on, uh, on our YouTube channel the other day, because I was watching this video by another person called captain midnight. And he was doing some video about um, secret invasion, like the comic storyline. And he was talking about Brian Michael Bendis a lot. And he brought up, ultimate spider-man so of course i threw a little comment down there you know for sure that's like what he's known for we're always trying to plug love it um oh man i feel like i had something else to say and and i just forgot about it so whatever let's just get into it all right you ready yep issue 54 hollywood hollywood part one and um, this is written by Brian Michael Bendis, of course, and penciled by Mark Bagley, inked by Art to Bear, colors by J.D. Smith, and letters by Chris Eliopoulos. I'm just going to tell you right now, Zach, I like it more when the colors are not by Transparency Digital. It just I... feels a little like, um, you know, what am I trying to say? It's just a little corporate. When it's transparency digital <laughs> doing the colors. Oh, know? I thought you meant the actual like. Oh, I don't. Content. I can't tell any difference at all. I just like seeing that it's by a person. That's so funny because I this isn't even the first time it's been by JD Smith. But when I started reading this issue, I was like, I can tell the coloring is different. Really? Can you? That's I. Nuts. I did look at like the first page. Peter's hair. That's not the same color it's been. My dude got balayage. Well, do you want to say it or should I? We got him. Yep. Yep. Unless unless they show us a clip of Peter dyeing his hair. We got him. So this is actually a pretty fun issue. Um, Aunt May is leaving for Florida. She's going to visit her mom for a week. And did you have the same thought I did, which is... There's no way Aunt May's mom is still alive. <laughs> Aunt May is like 75 years old, isn't she? Like She is not. Not in this series. I can't help but picture Aunt May as Toby Maguire's Aunt May, who's like the oldest woman in the city. This Aunt May is like maybe late 40s. Okay. Okay. Um... And she tells Gwen and Peter that she doesn't want any hanky-panky. And Peter and Gwen have uh, kind of a fun exchange where they say, no hanky-panky. Are we allowed to have the hanky without the panky or just the panky? I think the panky is what gets us into the trouble area. Well, if we can't have the panky, what's even the point of the hanky? And then Gwen says, how about shenanigans? And it's just pretty funny. Aunt May gives a feel kids... like they're they're a real family. All the three yeah. of them, yeah. Or at least you get the feel that like Peter and Gwen are like friends and like talk to each other. You know, like because as you said in the last issue, we haven't like seen them speak to each other 
in the past like six issues or more. Right. It was like actually weird. It was like they were both just happened to live in Aunt May's house. Yeah. Yeah. Aunt May's the only one talking to either one of them. Yes. Um Aunt May gives the kids three hundred bucks for the week and says goodbye to them. And it's actually really cute because Aunt May's always really cute. And she says Gwendolyn, I am so happy you live here with us. I love you too. And uh, after she tells Peter that she loves him, and Gwen like has tears in her eyes. And then as soon as Aunt May's cab drives away, Gwen tells Peter to give give her one fifty, which is her cut of the loot, before telling him that she'll see him in a week and she'll be watching TV if she if he needs him. What do you think of this whole uh, this whole opening setup for our issue? I loved it. I mean, same reasons you already said. It it just restates that, like, Peter and Gwen have their own relation. Not, like, romantic relationship, but, you know, they're, like, brother, sister, best friends, kind of. And we just hadn't seen that in a while. I did think that this was going to be leading to, like, a high school party type of issue that we sometimes get in this run where... I don't know, like they go to the mall or like play hooky from school or like they do these things that are like high school tropes. And that's kind of what I thought we were about to get. Well, they uh, even had a nice moment where uh, they said, notice how she didn't say no Oh my parties. gosh, I'm so glad you remember this, yeah. And w- the other one's like, that's because she knows neither of us have friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. Peter's the one who says. I think Peter says she, that. Yeah, yeah she, she knows neither of us have friends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a good little opening setup. And then we get this really long picture or this really big picture of Peter eating cereal. And it's, and it's this big, long side panel. That's just like a full on essay that they had one of them in the last issue. And I think Zach and I both mentioned, we, we weren't really thrilled about that. They've, they did it in team up a few times also. And I just don't like this. No, I don't I don't really like it either. And maybe that's just us because we have to take notes over this. So maybe maybe we don't like it more than the average reader. There's something about my ADHD brain where if you give me 400 words on a page of a comic book and it's broken up into 40 different word balloons, I can read that. But if you give me 400 words as a vertical wall of text next to a picture, that feels like too much. That's funny. That's actually, you know what? I don't want to sound too impressive for our listeners, but I'm actually getting my master's Zach in like special education stuff. And I bet that I will like specifically like learn about what, what that reasoning is and like why that is, because that's a common thing, you know, that if you just break up sections of words, it's easier to read. Like, you know, so, I don't know. It's why we have paragraphs. Yeah, exactly. Like a foundational, you know, piece yeah. of, like, English writing. Yeah, there you go. Um, okay, so, Peter is thinking to himself about how things are going well with Spider-Man recently, but stuff with Mary Jane has been awful, and, and his personal life has been awful. And I came up with something, Zach, called... The Spider-Man happiness spectrum. And we can workshop that. That's not the best name. But it's basically... 
and I've got my whiteboard here behind me so so I can draw it out if we need to. But it's basically a chart where Spider-Man's personal life is on one end and his Spider-Manning life is on the other. And as one goes up, the other goes down like a balance beam. Because it, isn't that like the point of Peter Parker that he can't ever be happy? Yeah, I wasn't going to crush your dream while you were describing your, your spectrum. Are, somebody's already made this. Oh, this, is a, this is a common uh, thing uh, that people talk about. All right. It's been like central to the, the idea of Spider-Man since like Stan Lee was writing the book. But you're completely right. I mean, you're seeing something that is there. I just hate to tell you you're not the first person to see it. Okay. Um, so what's it called? Is there a better name for it? I've just always heard it described as like that's the central conflict of So we can Spider-Man. still name it. We can name it. So yeah. maybe maybe okay. So maybe like a balance beam or something. Or uh anyway, just think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, if you have a good like catchy name or visualization for what we're describing, yeah. write yeah. in. Right now, it's the Spider-Man happiness spectrum. <laughs> uh, the, S- so, the SHS. Yeah. Okay, there you go. So, he w- Peter wants to take Mary Jane out on a real date as soon as she gets ungrounded. To the movies, he thinks to himself. And he, and he kind of thinks to himself about how much he loved going to the movies with Uncle Ben. And uh, right as he's thinking that, the news is on in the background, and the TV says, end in movie news, and there's a movie about Spider-Man being made. And not only is there a movie about Spider-Man being made, but it is being directed by the one and only Sam Raimi. And not only that, Zach, it's starring Tobey Maguire. That's preposterous. That would never happen. I, I, well, Zach, you must be forgetting that back in the early 2000s, this happened. What? Yeah. This movie exists. This, this, they must have taken the idea from this comic, right? And they hired (laughs) Sam Raimi. (laughs) Must have. That must have been how it happened. But there, so, there actually yeah. is like a, a weird synergy going on that I was I was realizing like in the t- early 2000s, I don't think like Amazing Spider-Man like in the main universe was doing it as much. But you had so you had this book kind of modernizing, but still hitting on like the same themes and like plot points of like the Stan Lee, Steve Ditko original Spider-Man stuff. You also had the Raimi movies, the first two especially, doing the same thing. And it's like there's this weird synergy between both ends where um, there's a picture, and I put it on the Instagram before we even started the show, of uh, Tobey Maguire and Sam Raimi reading the first arc of Ultimate Spider-Man to try and figure out the character and the tone and everything. And now here you are a few years later. And Ultimate Spider-Man is being influenced by the movie that they made. So I just think that that's kind of interesting. I think like those were the two maybe spearheads of like the zeitgeist, the Spider-Man zeitgeist, where if you're like specifically our age where you were young at that time, these were like your points of contact for Spider-Man. Yeah. 
and they were kind of working together. Huh. Yeah, it's pretty it's it was pretty fun watching them watching Sam Raimi show up. I like couldn't believe it when they were like it's being directed by Sam Raimi. I was like that oh my gosh. So that's when I was like, oh, I, well obviously this came out afterwards. But I wonder when it did probably around the time like Spider-Man 2 was coming out because Doc Ock is also a main guy in it. You so, know, we should probably look and see when this issue was published. I'll get right on that. Also, it's um, something that people who ran a good podcast would do. Probably yeah. March 3rd, 20, uh, 2004. So, yeah. OK, um, so now something else people that ran a good podcast would do is look up when Spider-Man 2 came out. So let's see. That came out on um, June 30th, 2004. So what did you say? This was March of 2004. So, so they probably, yeah, they definitely would have known that like Doc Ock was going to be the antagonist of Spider-Man Two by that point. Yeah, you think right? Yeah, this seems very yeah. much like someone at corporate saying, "Hey, Bendis, uh, this is going to sell neat? a million copies." <laughs> you know, you might have heard there was a little movie that we've got coming out. It would be so neat if you did something about that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then also, um, Avi Arad is okay. Uh, I was going to ask you if that was a real person. Yeah, I could have googled it, but you know. yeah, he's he's the suit that most people would know for um, realizing that Spider Man is a valuable intellectual property without actually caring about or understanding Spider Man as a character. He's He's been attached to like every Spider-Man movie and cartoon for like the last 30 years. Huh? Yeah. Um, okay. So let's see. Sorry. I got you way off track. No, that's okay. That's okay. Listeners. That's okay. All right. So they go to a producer, Avi Arad. And he's talking about the movie, and he says it's going to be an honest portrayal of Spider-Man. A loser. A nobody by day, and a superhero by night. And I just don't know... Gosh, it feels like this is we're going to take a really long time with this issue. Because we're not even like in it that far. And I feel like I keep breaking off to talk about it. But that's a testament to how interesting I think this issue is. Because... How would they know that that's an honest portrayal of him? Why wouldn't they think that he's like a cool kid by day? He is a superhero. They don't know about the Spider-Man happiness spectrum. (laughs) Yeah. And it's also, you remember in uh, the latest movie when Jamie Foxx sees Spider-Man without his mask? It's um, Andrew Garfield. And he's like, man, I always thought you were black under that. Doesn't make sense. How would He's they like know to him, cast? Right. Yeah. How would they know to cast Toby Maguire, oh. who theoretically looks like Peter Parker? Why? How do they know Spider Man's not black or anything? You know. Huh. Yeah, I kind of thought of that also. I was like, oh, I wonder. You know, it's um, only because of the joke in our real world. You know that Toby. McGuire actually did play Spider-Man and all these people were attached to the project. Yeah. But like in their universe, it doesn't really make sense that that would be the case. Well, 
you know, most people in movies are white. And now, if we want to get political, it does kind of make sense because that's true. Because if they most cast times a, they cast white people in movies. If they cast a black guy to be Spider Man, yeah, then they, it would be like, oh, you're making Spider Man black. Yeah, oh, you exactly. made it political. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but it doesn't make sense now. I have to. It doesn't make sense that Jamie Fox said he didn't. Jamie Fox see like. Andrew Garfield, I think, or something. Without There's the some mask? reason that he, he knew that he was white, that he should have known. I promise, because I read it. <laughs> <laughs> on a BuzzFeed article? I, I think, yeah, I read it on a BuzzFeed article. It said 12 Easter eggs you didn't notice. <laughs> I think it's so funny that that's like how most of our society knows anything about comic books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get well, people who have never picked listeners. up never picked up a comic book before saying things like did you know wolverine can regenerate himself from a single drop of blood um okay zach you're starting to insult me because i've never read any, any comic books so okay I'm <laughs> sorry, this is Chuck. how i learned everything about all of the mcu <laughs> you're right i'm being a hater and a gatekeeper yeah stop gatekeeping no, it's fine. Um, where where am I in my notes? <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh! This so is, Spider-Man's this is, a nobody, a truly, loser. Yeah, this is truly a very good issue. So Peter, watching the news, he doesn't seem very very pleased by the description. You know, this is when they tell us Tobey Maguire's the star, and Peter accidentally rips the door off the hinges. Kind of listening to this. Um. And and Gwen tells him it's it's gonna, that's going to come out of his half of the loot before asking Peter if he thinks the part where Spider-Man kills her dad will be in the movie before walking away. Wow. It came out of nowhere. I know. Yeah. That was, that was kind of nuts. And um, yeah, Peter's pretty surprised by it too. And then... We cut to Otto Octavius sitting alone in the raft, a max security prison, when a guard comes by his cell and throws a newspaper in his face with a big article about the Spider-Man movie, um, and he's kind of gloating. The guard is telling, telling Otto that his wife got paid to tell them Otto's story. And, you know, she's, she's getting paid a bunch of money and he's rotting in prison. And the guard continues to taunt him about how they're going to duplicate his metal metal arms in the movie with CGI before saying they could probably even buy them if they wanted. And we see Otto just give a slight, like, facial tick. Um, and this cop just gave up the goods, Zach. I mean, man, these... Oh. <laughs> Cops... If I were guarding a supervillain, just don't talk to him. Yeah, this dude's <laughs> body count is in like the 60s, and he's broken out of prison three times this month. Like, <laughs> I, I would be the friendly guard. I would be the one who gives him the extra brownie when I bring him his food. Yeah, actually, dude. Oh, man. These people are so stupid. <laughs> and, um... Yeah, and we then we cut away, and on the movie set, Toby, it's pretty funny, Toby's, like, 
giving a speech as Spider-Man about how conflicted he is. What is the exact thing? It's pretty funny. Well, hold on. Yeah. Are we there yet? Or do we go to uh, Midtown High? Oh my gosh. Zach, I must have like skipped taking notes over these pages. But I swore I did. But Kong is trying to like ask all of his high school friends if they will come down and audition for the Spider-Man movie with him. And everyone's just kind of like making fun of him about it. And I I told you I I accidentally didn't take notes over that page. Do you have anything else that you want to say? Oh, I knew that I did. At the school, Kong is trying to convince his friends to go downtown and audition to be an extra in the Spider-Man film, but nobody wants to go. Boom. Nice. <laughs> Thanks. A page so nice he had to do it twice. Yeah. And it is kind of funny, too. Um, Like everything else in this issue, it's pretty funny and good. So then we cut back to Otto, and we hear a metal clunk. And Otto smiles. And, Boy, I uh, wonder what that could be. Yeah. And then we cut to the Triskelion, where the same metal thunk is heard. And, of course, because these are S.H.I.E.L.D. scientists, they're just going to immediately like go into the room where the murdering arms are being kept. And they open up the door and they start swinging everywhere and they kill everybody. And then we cut back to Otto in his cell and he's smiling. And I mean, it's pretty awesome, but I know we talked earlier like issues ago about like, do we like the idea of him being able to control his arms from like a million miles away? I mean, do you have any thoughts on it? I really don't have a problem with it. So, A, it's going to get so much stupider. You don't even know. <laughs> B, did you catch something? You you can say it this time. If you caught it, you can you can be the one oh to win gosh, the battle. Oh my gosh, I didn't. I didn't. So you'll have to. I mean, maybe I could go back and, and find something, but I didn't. So just tell me. So at the end of Ultimate 6, remember when the guards were like, he says he can feel his arms. He knows that they're there. And the guards are like, you're crazy. And then they walk out of the room and they're like, hey, actually, where are his we arms? Need to, we need to move them further away, right? They said they're at a storage facility in Virginia because he was in like D.C. And they're like, oh, it's a storage facility in Virginia, 40 miles from here. And they're like, we should yep. probably move those further away. Since that conversation, somehow... I don't know if they weren't actually the ones in charge or their memo got misinterpreted, but both his arms and him ended up in like New York city, like next door to each other. Is the raft in New York city. See, I always picture the raft as in the middle of the ocean because in the MCU, that's where it is. It said Rikers Island, which is a prison facility off the coast of Manhattan. And then the Triskelion is also off the coast of Manhattan. So they can't be that far away from each other. Okay. Unfortunately, Zach, I don't think we got him. I think we just have to chalk that up to shield incompetence because that's there. They've been known to do that. If you, you think- if you want to say, if you want to say we got him, then we got him. But the shield oh is known to be pretty incompetent. 
I just got a dastardly thought in my head. Okay. Um, based off of that podcast I told you about that you kind of laughed at, blowback about the Iraq war. They've got okay. other seasons of it, but the main theme is like they're just covering like the shady stuff our government has done. And the title blowback is about like unintended consequences where it's like, oh, we installed this puppet regime in this country for this reason. Yeah. But then 20 years later, yeah. that caused we problems do that a lot. for us that ended yeah. up being worse. Yes, I actually but, I actually should check this out because it was good. I, it, it does sound interesting. Yeah. But um, they said so that's called blowback. And basically their thesis statement is blowback is a feature, not a bug for the government, because the people they know like, oh, this is going to come around and bite us someday. But that will be job security for us. And it's like mm. we're causing a problem today that will solve tomorrow, which will cause a problem that will solve the next day. And our budget just keeps getting bigger and we're never going to face any consequences from it. What if shield is that operating is exactly that same way? Does. Didn't and Captain like, America specifically like call out Nick Fury, like for operating in that way to, a, to an extent, like probably he's I don't the remember. one he, yeah, he, he was like, you're the one who's determining what the next war will be about because you're starting all this stuff and then it forces other people to start it and then it just like ends comes comes on this like cycle you know yes he did say that but i'm i'm suggesting it goes deeper than that what if nick fury is like intentionally letting these guys escape every six months to show the world (laughs) how much they need shield that's funny that's like I'm sure that there's theories about Batman doing that same thing with all of his villains. Just like surely, there's a reason yeah. he doesn't kill him. Yeah, exactly. Wow, I believe it, and that's literally what the Hulk did, right? He's like, I'll just kill a bunch yes. of people so everyone thinks that they need the Ultimates. That's the scary yeah. thing. We know it's at least happened once. Yeah. Well, that's just the boys. I mean, that just. <laughs> Because yeah. that's basically what they're doing, and that's what we've said the Ultimates are, is just the boys, right? And- every every cynical like deconstruction of the superhero genre eventually will turn into some kind <laughs> into of like the- U.S. government criticism in this way. Yeah. Um, okay, so to go back to the issue... Otto has just uh, controlled his arms and they've killed everyone in the Triskelion and Otto is smiling in his cell. And now we're on the movie set and Toby is giving a big speech about how conflicted he is. And he's like, and one day the world will know just how conflicted. And it reminded me of the Ben Riley in Spider-Verse where he's <laughs> like, what does he say, Zach? He's like, oh, I'm just so, I don't know. It's so, do you remember what I'm talking about? I I vaguely do. I just know he was voiced by Andy Samberg and was not yeah. meant to be taken seriously. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He said, he said, listeners, if you uh, remember what he said, I don't know. Send us a comment. I can it's something it very fast, melodramatic. But... Yeah, exactly. Yes. Good word. And then the real Spider-Man shows up and begins telling every much everyone how much they suck. And, but he's like, he looks at Sam Raimi and he's like, but Evil Dead 2 was pretty good. 
So Spider-Man asks how they can make a movie without his permission. And they tell him that they don't need it because he's a public figure. If he takes off his mask, then they'll need it and they'll pay him for it. But if he doesn't, then they're just going to keep rolling. And, you know, they tell Peter Parker, Spider-Man, that he just saved them millions in special effects by swinging in here and, like, talking to him. And then Peter tells them that they all suck and he swings away angrily. You know, that whole... Because you wear a mask, your your image not is sure like about that. public I'm property. I'm not sure about it. Yeah, I I don't know enough about Marvel law, but it, it does you know to dispute it. But it doesn't sound right. Yeah, I'm in the same exact boat. And so our final scene, we are back at the raft, and we can hear chaos happening, and it's the arms. They're breaking into the raft and they're killing all the guards and they free Otto and he grabs the guard who was gloating to him and he coils him in his arms and he says, thank you for breaking me out of my funk. And Otto and the other prisoners basically like cause a riot and escape. Wow. Wow, I think it would look pretty stupid watching these arms like walk across the state or something. Um, but luckily they have not sh- actually like shown them like really doing stuff. We, you know, we mostly just know that they are doing that. Imagine them like following Taking the bus. patterns and <laughs> stopping at red lights. And yeah, stuff. that's actually really funny. I wonder how much damage they're causing. Like <laughs> one of them like looks at its wrist, like it's checking the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was good. I thought, you know, what, I, what did you think? I, do. Um, I also thought it was good. Uh, do you have a rating for us? Um, I do. And now I'm remembering that I changed the Spider-Man happiness spectrum to the Spider-Man happiness scale because the spectrum, one doesn't go down as the other goes up, but a scale does. So I changed it. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> and, and so I gave this one um, a 9 out of 10 on the Spider-Man happiness scale. <laughs> All right. I, I'm i also giving it a 9 out of 10. You know what the one thing that's that's taking that last point away from it is? Because mm. it was close to a perfect issue for me. Yeah, it was, it was about as close, I think, to a perfect issue as I, it could have got. I just don't feel good about giving a perfect score. What are I, you taking a point away for? I don't have a problem giving a perfect score. I've done I it know, before. You don't. Yeah. But it's that damn wall of text on that one page. Oh, yep. That was actually, yeah. That was that was it's the just, only panel that I was like, oh, what is happening here? It's Peter's just nails just on the chalkboard. With a huge wall of text. Yeah. And that's the other thing. It's not even a cool image to take up the whole page, yeah. you know, for artwork. It's just Peter eating cereal. If that was like him punching the Green Goblin and there was a wall of text, it would maybe be a little cooler, but yeah, he's eating cereal. Yeah, it's interesting to think about how all of the different like people came together to to be like, this is what we're going to do on this like, you know, big single page panel. Like, you know, I don't know what the order is that happens. Maybe Bendis was like, 
I want to do all this big exposition on a big dump on this. And then they think, okay, you know, I wonder like what the order is that happened, that, that, that is what that page ended up being. It goes back to whether this was made through the Marvel method or like the standard comic book writing method. And we just don't know. Cause I've heard contradictory evidence. What, I've are, heard what, are, those, what are those two things? What, what are the different things? Can you remind me? So the Marvel method is, you do the art first and basically the writer comes back in and like just provides dialogue. And okay, typically so that, that's so interesting because that feels like it, that is not how it should happen. <laughs> but, you know, I also know that the way the MCU has done their stories for years, like back before infinity war and everything was they basically plan out all of the scenes and they 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 like CGI them all like to start almost so they like know exactly what it's going to look like and then they go back in and they kind of like make it all work so it's similar to that and it's like that shouldn't work that's not how things are supposed to be done but it does. I'm sure in that case it's because their CGI artists need all the all yeah, the prep time I, they can get yeah um, but yeah, you don't really see the Marvel method that much anymore. It was like kind of big in the, the sixties and seventies, but there's like a few people, like I know Dan Slott likes it. I had heard rumors that Bendis likes it, but I've never gotten the feeling that ultimate Spider-Man seems like it was made that way. You can kind of tell usually like yeah, on really art heavy books, you know, where it's like it seems like the artist directed this and they wanted to draw a bunch of fight scenes or something like that. I, my guess yeah. is Bendis probably gives Bagley a script that's mostly finished. Yeah, that makes sense. That's what that that makes more sense than the artist being like, I'm going to do a full page panel of Peter eating cereal and then I'll let the writers fill that in. It feels more like it's the other way. They said, here's Peter thinking to himself, you know, and we need the news on in the background because it's going to say something at the end. Okay, anyway. It sounds counterintuitive, but you know what? It worked for Stan and Jack, so. Yep. Um, Okay, you got anything on it or should we go to the next one? I don't. um, If you're ready, I'm ready to get into issue 55. I'm I'm ready. This one doesn't have a cool name. It's just Hollywood Part 2. Which it better be, because if there was something that came after Hollywood Part 1 and it wasn't Hollywood Part 2, that would be bad. We would have also (laughs) accepted Hollywood 2 Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo, yeah. Hollywood 2 The Squeak Wall. We open on Otto Octavius standing on the doorstep of someone's house. And the homeowner asks him if they know each other. And Otto says they don't. But he was just in the area and liked the man's house. He says he loves Tudor-style architecture. And actually was going to buy a house like this once. But then his life got complicated. And the man uh, hears a noise behind him. And turns around to see Otto's mechanical arms reaching towards him. And the man looks back at Otto in horror as Otto says, I really do like your house. It's an awesome looking house. It's insane. So yeah. nice. 
you know that this is like my least favorite type of scene. I just can't stand it when like just your normal everyday person is like murdered out of nowhere. <laughs> this could have been perfect. Zach, his Michael wife's going to be home. I, uh, yeah, I didn't like that. He's like, yeah, I live here with my wife. And then probably he... kids looking at that house. This is not a husband and wife house. There's kids that live in that house as well. Yeah, there's it's a, it's a big house. It'd be a lot to clean. You just a husband and wife. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could live there, but I, you feel like he, he probably has a reason to need a house that big. I mean, I didn't until this exact moment. Is he setting something up? I figured he just wants to live in a nice house and 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 he's killed this this random man and he's probably going to kill his wife and kids. He just likes Tudor-style architecture. It's a really nice house. Um, I'd kill for a house like that. <laughs> <laughs> It is kind of unsettling that he's now using his arms as like a separate being instead of just wearing them. Somehow that just um, feels I was yeah, creepy. I was kind of wondering I was hoping that maybe he'll go back to wearing them, you know. But it yeah. but it does seem almost they do seem more um what am I what's the word I'm looking for? More uh, like harder to deal with. When yeah, they're, when they're just like a big metal spider walking around annihilating everything, there's like nothing to punch. There's no fleshy yeah. part attached. Yeah, to exactly. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we change scenes and we see extras auditioning to be in the Spider-Man movie, and they're all saying, "Look up in the sky, it's Spider-Man." And uh, the last person to read those lines is Kong. And the cast director tells Kong he got the part and gives him a consent form for his mom to sign. And later at school, Kong is excitedly telling Liz and Flash in the hallway that he got the part. And as always, uh, Mary Jane and Peter and Gwen are within earshot as he's saying it, because apparently these are like the only people who go to this school. And Gwen starts uh, giving Kong a nasty look while he's talking about the movie. And she asks him if there's a part in the script where Spider-Man kills her dad. Well, it's the same line we heard, heard earlier. I know. Get she some won't. new material. Gwen. She won't let it go. I know. She really won't. Yeah. Get Everyone's... over it. <laughs> Everyone stops and looks at her and Gwen runs away crying. And Peter and MJ decide they should probably go after her. And they follow her outside. Well, actually, you know what's kind of interesting? Just in terms of, like, characterization. MJ is like, you need to go and talk to her. You know? So, That's she true. must not see her as, like... They must be more friends than her seeing her as a threat. You know? Which is yeah. maybe not how it always was. Yeah. Um, I I noticed that too, and I'm I'm glad you pointed it out. It's it's like they're getting a little friendlier. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so they follow her outside, and Peter calls her name, and Gwen says she doesn't need to talk. And Peter says, "You know, it wasn't Spider Man who killed your dad, so why do you?" And then Gwen cuts him off and yells, "Come on, yeah, uh huh, a guy dressed like Spider Man." I don't want to go through this with you all the time. It's all Spider-Man. Why on earth would you care which lunatic guy in what costume killed my dad? 
And MJ asks Gwen why she's freaking out about this all of a sudden. And Gwen says, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this is all I think about 24 hours a day. Some maniac in a costume killed my father and now they're making a movie about him. And she storms off again and uh, MJ tells Peter that this isn't his fault. Okay, does she have a point here, Zach? Not at all. Try to. Oh, I don't get it, man. You know, I am like Gwen Stacy's defense attorney, but nothing that she said made sense. They, she does know that it, it's not the actual Spider-Man who killed her dad. And she's just like irrelevant. I don't think, okay. I think this is how she's trying to think about it. I'm putting myself in her position. There's not an actual Spider-Man. There's just Spider-Man, you know? And anyone who's dressed as Spider-Man committing crimes or or solving crimes or walking around for Halloween, you know, they're all Spider-Man. And that's the persona that killed her dad, you know? So it's almost like even if, even if it's not the actual Spider-Man, if the actual Spider-Man wasn't getting so much attention and praise then this murderer wouldn't have been dressed up as Spider-Man committing crimes. You know, it's still a Spider-Man's fault. Not saying it's not saying it's a logical thing, but it, but I think it makes sense. If you think about it like that, if someone murdered your parents dressed as whatever, big it bird, would suck, it would suck watching Sesame street. Right. Right. You'd be yeah. like, big, excuse me. <laughs> Whoops, I forgot we're 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 a family friendly pod. I still have the bleeper. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I I kind of understand where she's coming from, although I don't know. You know, we know that she's living in a comic book and this is not realistic because of course Peter did who is Spider Man didn't kill her dad, you know? Right. So MJ tells Peter that this isn't his fault and he shouldn't feel guilty, but he says he does anyways. And this kind of felt clunky. He just kind of brings this up. He says between this and that movie, uh, what he could really go for right now is a bad guy to fight. And Mary Jane says, well, there's never one around when you need one. I bet one's going to show up on the next page. Uh, yeah i said on cue <laughs> that's 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 like the gang fights a villain <laughs> <laughs> on cue we cut back to Otto octavius living it up in that guy's house and he's talking to himself like the mad scientist that he is and he's formulating his plan no he's not talking to himself excuse me he's talking the arms. to his arms yeah yeah i like it whom among us hasn't talked to their arms? <laughs> uh, he says he's not going to go anywhere near Peter yet, because that's exactly what the authorities will be expecting. Um, and just then he notices a TV broadcast. A lot of well-timed TV broadcasts in this mm-hmm. show, in yep. this series. Pretty Do you ever wonder what these characters would get up to if they didn't just leave the news on all the time? <laughs> they need uh, just If it were nowadays... They'd just be like scrolling Twitter and eventually they would stop and be like, oh, it's time to do something. This is happening. (laughs) Uh, So he sees a TV broadcast about the Spider-Man movie 
and about how his ex-wife was a paid consultant on it. And the program starts interviewing her and she calls him a sad and pathetic man and says the movie will examine and just then Otto destroys the TV in a fit of rage while her sentence finishes. How did how did how did he go crazy? Did he did he like get a medical thing done to him and that's why he went crazy or what happened? It was right? the, yeah, he was like they like didn't fix him just to see what happened. That's messed up. Yeah. You know? Well, it all so, started with the. So it's rude of his ex-wife to be like he was a lunatic. You know, he got medically messed up. And it also started with um, Norman's botched experiment to become the goblin. Yeah. So I just read this and I'm like, ouch, she's being a little harsh on him. Like, right. Like, did he, is he a bad guy now? Yes. Were all of the circumstances under his control? No. Yeah. But I guess she's trying to just like get paid and come across well on the news. Right. She's got to get that bag. Yeah. Um, but I, I like this little bit. So she, he's, she's talking about how the movie is going to prove like how he's he's something and he destroys the TV. And we see her words were just how self-destructive he truly is. And it's like he didn't even let her get the words out before he started lashing out. And it just kind of proves her point. Yeah, that's true. Um, next, we see Gwen walking home from school alone. And she notices several black vans parked on the street around the Parker residence, as well as some very poorly disguised agents of some kind watching the house, pretending to be linemen or yard workers. And she gets inside and the phone starts ringing. And it's Aunt May checking in from Florida. And Gwen tells her everything is fine while looking out the window and then quickly makes up an excuse to hang up. And she asks herself, what is going on? As she looks exactly. out the window what in disbelief. What is going on? We don't get a finish to this scene. It's not fair. What is going well, on? Who are these people? My guess. Remember in the last scene when Doc Ock said, I'm not going to go anywhere near Peter Parker. The authorities are probably expecting that. They're probably staking out his house. Oh, okay. I took it to mean he's absolutely right. And those are like shield operatives. Okay, well, then he could still go near them. I'm certain <laughs> of it. <laughs> if they're as bad at like combat as they are at disguises. That's what I was about to say. We know they're terrible at everything. And listeners, this guy's like on a telephone pole with like binoculars into the Parker household. And the other one is like a hedge trimmer. It's just the most obvious thing in the world. And they all have like earpieces and sunglasses. Instantly spotted by Gwen upon coming home. Yeah. It's it's like funny at this point how incompetent Shield is. Yeah. Um so we cut to the set of the Spider-Man movie where Kong is saying his line. And when the scene is over, Avi Arad and Sam Raimi begin talking about the real Spider-Man, who is watching them from the side of a nearby building. Oh, and now you skipped one. You what skipped I skipped. Big panel. The Mysterio? Yeah. I didn't know how to describe that, because like, nothing really comes of it. It looks yeah, like we're going to... 
It looks like we're going to get Mysterio for a second. Well, but... it's, I think it's very obvious it's the movie. You know, not one part of me thought that that was Mysterio when I saw that panel. I was like, oh, this is the movie. But I mean, yeah, you can see through it, but that's kind of how it's presented for like yeah. a split second. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like you get a full panel of Mysterio and you're like, what? Where'd he come from? And then someone yells cut and he just kind of walks away. <laughs> but Kong says his line. And Kong says it. his line. But, yeah. yeah, Kong says his line in it. That's the more important thing because we care more about Kong than – isn't it – they said Bruce is the actor who's playing Mysterio. Do you think that's Bruce Campbell? Yes, dude. I almost guarantee it is because I know for a fact that the sp- – so – did you know that Bruce Campbell is in Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3? And he's a different role in all three of them. In, in one of them, he is the guy who puts the, the ring in MJ's drink. And he's like the waiter at the restaurant. And he's like, oh, yeah. oh romance. I am French. And but anyway, he's like a different guy. He's the wrestling promoter in the first one who announces him. It's like spider thing or the human spider <laughs> or something. Um, so anyway, and in Spider-Man 4, if there was a Spider-Man 4, there's like art of it, concept art of him robbing a bank as Mysterio and like getting caught by Spider-Man. And it's like, it's not the whole story, but it's like a quick thing. It was just going to show that, like, oh, you know, Bruce Campbell, the guy who's been in all these, he was Mysterio the whole time, you know, just like a fun little thing. So I bet that it is. Yeah. So, um, well, that's a cool Easter egg. Uh, So. So an aide comes running up to um, Sam Raimi and Avi Arad while they're watching Spider-Man watch them from the side of a building. And the aide says that he just heard a rumor that Otto Octavius has escaped from prison. And they both tell the aide they don't believe him, and this would be all over the news. And he says, oh, it will be soon, but for now the government is trying to keep it quiet. And then the aide remarks that he wouldn't want to be standing anywhere near Otto's ex-wife over there until they find him. And he and points to standing the- like 10 feet away. <laughs> <laughs> and he's she's next to bruce campbell and uh yeah i don't don't know i just thought that was like hilariously insensitive like yeah (laughs) hate to be that old broad right over there she's got an x on her back yeah it it is insensitive and (laughs) it is funny that they're so close by and they're like yeah (laughs) and i said almost comedically on cue Doc Ock arrives and starts throwing vans onto the movie set. Yeah. And there's actually a lot of, there's actually kind of a lot of that in this issue. You know, what yeah. we mentioned earlier where they like say one thing and then it happens exactly like in the next panel. Yeah. Very serendipitous. Um, And he starts to menace his ex-wife and says they need to talk. And just then Spider-Man jumps down from the building and says, you total jackass. I can't believe you were doing this to me. And it almost seems like Doc Ock is surprised by him. Like he didn't see him just sitting up there still the whole time. Um, and we get a splash page of Peter and Otto facing each other as Doc Ock menacingly says, 
Mr. Parker. Okay, so maybe he did see him, but he saw, thought it was the Spider-Man in the movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then second, what did Peter mean by, like, I can't believe you're doing this to me? Like, so he can't I, believe he's messing up the movie. He can't believe... I don't know No, because Peter doesn't like the movie. He doesn't like yeah, that they're I, I profiting know. off his image. I think he's going into, like, I can't believe you're making me defend these people who are profiting oh, off me. Oh, that's... Yeah, that's definitely it. And that's way better. Because yeah, I mean, it would have been nice if they added that part in this comic, but I well, think didn't, that's didn't, the sentiment. Didn't he, like, say that in the last issue to, like, Kingpin's goons or something? Or maybe he had to, like, rescue Kingpin's goons, and he was like, I can't believe you're making me, like, rescue these guys. Or didn't he... I feel like I he, think said he said that to Jameson. Like that. Yes, that's what it was. He was like, I can't believe you guys are making me help J. Jonah Jameson. He says yeah. a lot of the same things all of the time. Like, they're just repeated phrases, you know? new material. Yeah. If we, I mean, listeners, if I had a dollar for every time he's called someone a piece of work in this book already, we have and a Mount Zach Rushmore I, of pieces of work yeah. right over John's shoulder right now. Yeah, we do. And Zach and I never repeat jokes. So that's what we expect out of our comics. You know what's funny is, We've gotten comments before about how I used to say happens once an episode, folks, whenever I would stumble over words. <laughs> and now it still happens once an episode, folks, but I just have gotten better at editing them out. No, it doesn't. I feel like it it doesn't happen ever anymore. What were the comments? They were mad that you would say it? Or no, was it was like, no, someone joke. It was, they were in on the joke. It, this was a long time ago, but. Um, okay, good. They better not be. Yeah. But that's our commitment to not reusing the same jokes. That was like, yep. that could have so easily been the catchphrase of this podcast. And I just was like, nope, we're done. Nope. Um, what's the uh, rating system on this one? Hmm. That's a good question. Okay. Maybe out of, I'm sorry, Zach, I I didn't take notes on this one, so I didn't have a rating. I, I don't even have a rating for it yet. It's going to be a spur-of-the-moment rating. Maybe it could be something about, um, you know, Holmes squatted in by yeah. Doc Ock. Yeah, okay. I was thinking, like, how many square foot feet was that home or something? But Okay, so we were on the same page, so that's We good. were, yeah. yeah. Okay, so out of ten... Homes squatted in by Dr. Octopus. What are you giving this one? Um, I'm going to give this one a seven, which I feel like is just kind of par for the course for me. I don't think it was as good as um, the last issue because the last issue was a lot to live up to. And like we said, it just a lot of things kind of fell into place because they needed to, not because they felt like a natural progression of the plot. You know, I am getting kind of tired of the whole exposition by TV reporter, which then drives someone yeah. to action. I feel like there have to be better, you know, transitions into scenes than that. Yeah. Okay. Those, those are all good points. Um, I'm going to give it a seven and a half homes squatted in. Uh, I mean, I, I still thought that it was it was pretty good. I'm kind of flipping through the pages here, and, you know, it's still kind of 
a fun little story. Kong is auditioning for the movie, and you know, Gwen storms out, and then there, there is there is something very very funny to me about scrolling through these pages of Doc Ock in the home, and he's like in this like lush bathrobe. Like I okay. actually do. I think that yeah. is a phenomenal look for Doc. You know Ock. what? I want to amend my score. I'm going to bring it up to an eight because just last episode. I remember I was complaining that we haven't been getting enough Gwen or Kong or Flash or Liz lately, but mostly Kong and Gwen. And yeah, what did and we they did deliver? A lot of this issue. I thought you had said that on purpose because you like knew that we were about to get some very heavy like Gwen and Kong issues. No, I had read these issues ahead so long ago. I actually had forgotten about them when we recorded. Yeah, the last that was perfect episode. timing. Yeah. So thank you, Bendis, for hearing my my wishes and 10 years ago listening to them. <laughs> no, but they, but but it 20 it's years not ago, that, but it hell? probably is them being like, man, we have not had Gwen or Kong or any of the other students in these issues for a long time. We should right. probably it, find a way to put them in. If I'm thinking it, they were then, probably then thinking they, it back exactly. then, too. Yeah. Um, okay, so so what did what did you amend it to? A seven and a half and a an, an eight. And an eight. Wow, full point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, did you have anything pretty, else with both it? Pretty good though. No, I don't have anything else for these. Both good. Yeah. Yeah, this is shaping up to be a solid little arc. I'm excited for next week. Yep. Um, okay. Time for what everyone has been waiting for this issue, which is um, where we where you get to tell me about your fantasy football drafts and then tell me what you're betting on for the game tonight because we're uh, a couple of degenerates in here. <laughs> so I'm I'm scared of like regular sports betting. I I do like the daily fantasy sports where it's yeah. just like fantasy football. Um, yeah, I don't know the whole like over under and whatever like I'm always wrong. Yeah, Dude, I don't... I'm, I'm the worst sports better <laughs> on the planet. I am incorrect so much more than 50% of the time. I feel like <laughs> it's truly unbelievable because it's like supposed to be like 50 50 and it's it's just I'm always wrong. So anyway, you know what they I say about gambling anymore <laughs> that you make money if you do it long enough. <laughs> Everyone who ever stopped gambling was just about to hit the jackpot. Yep. Yep, that's true. Which is why I do have some money on some stuff tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so I drafted two teams uh, here, like, the last couple nights, actually. Um, This one... How many many teams... how, uh, How many teams, and is it PPR? Both are PPR. It's two teams. Um, no, no, no. I'm sorry. How many teams in the league? Okay, so for this one, it is 12 team. 12 team okay. PPR. This is my starting roster. Justin Fields, Brees Hall, Dion Jackson, which, I mean, that's going to change eventually, but he's starting yep. this week, so yep. whatever. Uh, C.D. Lamb, Devontae Adams, Dallas Goddard, T. Higgins, and Chris Godwin. I went. Only I really only, went. Okay, you have to start two running backs. 
Ouch, yeah. dude. Those I really went zero running back, early. though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have Brees then, Hall also, and I'm hoping he'll be very good, but I'm not playing him this week. I just don't think he's going to play that much. And then this is my bench. See if you can t- pick okay. up on the strategy here. So Jimmy Garoppolo, just because it was he was like my last pick. Roshan Johnson, Alvin Kamara, yep, Jalen okay, nice. Warren, Devon A. Chain, Kendra Miller, Cortland Sutton, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Okay. Wow, you've got really good receivers. I think I'd be playing Cortland Sutton this week over one of those one of those guys that you had. Who was the last guy? Anyway, in my starting closed. lineup, Chris That's Godwin. Just I'm bi- yeah, maybe over Godwin, but I'm biased because I have Cortland Sutton on my team as well. Okay, that's yeah. that's pretty good. I can dig it. Yeah, surely surely some of those running backs will hit. I mean, Kamara and Brees Hall by themselves by week four are going to be like those are my very starters. good running backs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they, I did kind of what the smart math nerd fantasy people say is like the best strategy, which is like good wide receivers early and often, and then get wow. like a rushing yeah. upside yeah. quarterback. Any, any, anytime you can listen to science nerds about football. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's usually a good strategy, <laughs> but yeah. And then I just took a bunch of running backs late in the draft who I'm like, you know what? He's a rookie or he's a backup or something like he might be starting by mid season. Yep. Okay. What's the other team? So the other team, this is going to be less impressive because it's only an eight team league. Um, So it's going to sound more impressive. It's going to sound more impressive, but knowing that it's an eight team league, you're like, "Uh, yeah, okay. Okay. So Patrick Mahomes, Ramondre Stevenson, Rashad White, Devontae Adams again. I've got him on all my teams this year. And it's not even that I'm like super high on him. He's just wow. always been at a good price. Um, Stefan Diggs, Jalen Waddell, Mark Andrews. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I know. Hollywood Brown, Michael Pittman Jr., the Saints defense, and Evan McPherson. Mark Andrews. To go along with Patrick Mahomes, to go along with Devontae Adams, Jalen Waddle, and Steph Diggs is yes. I, I it, it makes me want to look at the other teams in the league's lineup <laughs> to see if everyone is loaded like this. But that is insane, especially with the Kelsey injury that's already happened. That is yeah. a that is a force. Who are your running backs? Uh. Starting is Rashad White and uh, oh, yeah, Ramondre. That's, 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 that's where you lost some. Uh, and some Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah. Rashad White. Okay. He's he's terrible. I had him last year. <laughs> he's good for about two and a half yards of carry. Um, well, every carry. And listen. And Stevens, Stevenson, who knows how much work Zeke is going to get, but he should still be fine, especially if it's a PPR. Well, listen, I hedged my bets, so listen to my bench for that league. DeAndre Swift, Zach Charbonnet, Antonio Gibson, Ezekiel Elliott. So even if he takes that job, I've got him. Jalen Warren, Traylon Burks, and on my injured reserve, Jonathan Taylor. Oh, my gosh. So that's kind of the ace in the hole. At some point, he should see the field oh, okay wow 
Yeah. These are yeah, some that, good teams. These are some squads. That team is projected 170 points. Wow. Eight-man league sounds fun. <laughs> I'm in a 14-man league. We're drafting, like, kickers by round six. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds brutal. <laughs> um. Okay, so what's happening tonight? Chiefs versus Lions. Give me the goods. Oh man, I'm starting. I'm, I'm starting Jarek McKinnon instead of Brees Hall this week. In my that might be ballsy. League. I mean, ESPN has him projected for like nine and a half points compared to Brees Hall's six and a half. So you have to go with the projections. Um. Okay. I mean, to be fair, the league I have Brees Hall in is on Sleeper, not ESPN. But they're saying he's worth ten point one four. So I wonder if that's PPR. That's very different to, to the half point PPR. It is. No, it's full. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh well. But yeah, I'm hoping to see fireworks tonight, man. I want to. I have missed yep. football so much. I would love nothing more than to see both teams put up forty points. Yep. That'd also, because awesome. I, I have Patrick Mahomes in one league and I have Jameer Gibbs in another. Um, do you have any interest in a big game from Amon Ross St. Brown? You know, I don't have any shares of him, but just as a football fan, I, I wouldn't hate to see it. Well, as a degenerate, I got some free money from a couple of these gambling sites. Yeah. And if Amon Ross St. Brown could at the very least have 74 yards and it'd be pretty awesome if he put up 78 that'd be nice which isn't too much i think he should i think he should clear that but now that we've put that out into the world and i told all the listeners that i'm wrong way more than 50% of the time they can judge listeners that's what the number is bet the under okay it's it's probably going to hit uh, uh, I yeah. wish this was out in time for them to actually bet the so, under. So, so do I, because they'd, the, they'd be making some money. <laughs> throughout the year, you got to start telling us your bets like a week early. If I'm if if the money's still on the account throughout the whole football season, that'll be a success. Uh, there's, there's not that much on there, you know. So <laughs> I feel pretty good about the over there, though, because. You're playing Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. You have to put up points. I think so. I think so. They're going to be throwing the ball. If you wanna, yeah, I think so. And that, yeah, and and we we do run the number one sports podcast for comic book fans, so I think we know what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Jack of both um, trades, expert on neither. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You got anything else? Uh, I don't. Do you? I don't have anything else either. All right. I think that's a wrap. Then. Okay. All right. Well, then, as always, thank you to Ian Hickey for the music and Alyssa Seaman for the artwork. And thank all of you for listening and leaving us a review or a comment. And I actually have a comment I'm going to read out, Zach, if that's okay with you. Oh, go for it. We got we got such a nice one. This is from Joel all the way from Sweden. So some people might remember that. Weeks ago, we asked if anyone knew politics about Sweden to let us know. I don't know why we asked that, but 
But and Joel wrote in and he said, "Hi guys, I can't fill you in on any Swedish politics, so we are still waiting for that." <laughs> But I really like your podcast. It's the first thing I listened to on Monday mornings at work. And when I was on vacation, I kept myself from listening just so I could stack all episodes and listen to them in a row when I came back to work. In other words, I really like your podcast and I hope you keep going. P.S. I'm glad John finally named his cat because I think every cat deserves to be properly named. My rating for your podcast is 10 out of 10 properly named cats. And I think that's a pretty good way to rate the podcast, if I do say so myself. Yeah, I so, couldn't have said it better. Thank you, Joel. Yeah, thank you, Joel. Um, and if you guys want to leave us a comment or chat with us, you can find us on the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, on Instagram, at First Read Podcast. At email, at First Read Spidey, at gmail.com. And on YouTube, First Read Ultimate Spider-Man Podcast. And I did, I think, just change the YouTube to instead of it being at Ultimate Spider-Man Podcast, it's now at First Read Ultimate Spider-Man Podcast. Love it. Consistency. Yep, exactly. All right. See you next week. See ya.